Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yay Networks. Hey, I'm Jenna. And I'm Francisco. You know, we are new parents trying to navigate this chapter of our lives while trying to run our own businesses and doing our best to stay mentally and physically fittish. I don't know how good we're doing at that. Here's what you have to look forward to. <laughs> don't read it so much. <laughs> We've had to make a lot of compromises in the relationship, but it's sure. worth it, right? You've, I, there've been, there's been moments that I wanted to post something on social media and you're like, you're not going to post that, are you? That's for us. Well, can you imagine what it would be? I, I mean, I know we just got these tattoos together, but I don't know this dude. I got to go. Babe, the thing is that in that first trip to Mexico, I was aiming for your kidneys, oh. but, but I found your heart. What's going on? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Fittish Podcast with Fran in healthier form today, hopefully. And we have a guest on today's show. And after that, Fran and I are going to fill you in on some big, big life changes we have coming in here soon. You know, we talk openly and often about how challenging motherhood can be. And as a result, you know, a lot of moms turn to that glass of wine at night or in the morning. I'm not, I'm not sure anymore. I know that we've all kind of relied on alcohol here and there, but at what point is it a problem? I'm so excited today, Francisco, because we are welcoming a guest to the show and her name is Celeste Vaughn. She is a writer, certified recovery and life coach and a mom who is an expert on this mommy wine culture and her own journey of self-discovery and sobriety is now a book that is coming out soon. It's called it's not about the wine, the loaded truth behind mommy wine culture. Hi, Celeste. We're so happy to have you join the show today. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Fran. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I um, when I first saw that you had this book coming out, it's so interesting to me. And, you know, personally, I'm not a huge drinker, but, but since becoming a mother... I've actually had more alcohol than I ever mm -hmm. used to. And, you know, and I know this has kind of become your whole, your whole focus and your whole mission. Why do you think uh, this whole wine culture and alcohol has become such a trend with, with moms these days? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really easy pattern for new moms to fall into. We are vulnerable. We are tired. We are drained. We're in a learning curve of how to be a mom. Uh, and generally, we are probably feeling some anxiety and even possibly postpartum depression. So our hormones are fluctuating. And societally, we are hearing this message that mommy needs wine, that wine is the solution to all of our woes. And it is a very perfect storm because in early motherhood, uh, using alcohol or drugs to cope or to calm ourselves and self-regulate is perhaps one of the worst things we can be doing. Uh, we know that alcohol um, disrupts our sleep patterns. It disrupts our central nervous system. It, it, it has so many problems and consequences with it. And yet, I know for myself, alcohol was the most calming gift I received when I became a mom. 
people brought champagne into the hospital the day of my first child being born. It, it's a very common message. Um, I know you guys have talked about uh, mommy and play dates, and mm-hmm. it's very common to include alcohol in these play dates because we're looking for connection. We're looking for uh, mom friends, and it's an easy way to kind of let our guards down, kind of break down those walls and connect with others. And um, the whole joke about mommy needing wine has really taken off for, for a lot of these reasons, but perhaps at the worst time for a mother and certainly not a good time for a mother to be self-medicating. What, you know, taking a step backwards, what, um, and you know, your personal experience, obviously, I know you, you've been sober, am I correct, for five years now? Yes. What, what, what was kind of your trajectory with this and what led you to this aha moment to the point it's become kind of your focus on research and writing a book? Yeah, you know, I think I always towed the line a little bit on my drinking and uh, being a bit of a high-risk drinker, but also having it under control enough that it never impacted my life uh, it, with negative consequences. I never got a DUI. Uh, I never I never did anything that adversely affected the people around me. And so I always kind of thought I was, you know, I was probably a gray area drinker, but I was able to justify my thinking. And when I became a mom, the justification for mommy wine culture really fueled that fire that not only is this okay, but this is what most mothers are doing. Uh, So I kind of leaned in, uh, but all this time, especially as a mother, uh, I was seeing convincing moments that this is not the right direction. This is not healthy. This is probably gearing towards a dangerous place. Uh, And I saw it with little things like waking up with a hangover and realizing I can't phone in parenting today. Like that's not how motherhood works. That, I mean, that was a really hard truth. Uh, The first time I woke up with a hangover with a baby uh, that I needed to take care of that day. You can't call in sick to motherhood. So um, it was little moments like that, but the the big one, and I'm sure you guys can recognize this because you do have a little one at home. I had a three-year-old at the time, and at daycare, they were saying he was showing behavioral challenges. So we took him to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician said, well, he's too young for us to really do much about it. We're just going to wait and see. And as my mama bear came out, and I was like, no, 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 no. We are not leaving this doctor's office until you give me something tangible for us to go away with. And he said to me, point blank, he says, children like this need routine they need structure. You need to give him that. They need something they can count on. And you have to give him that kind of security in the home front. And I realized, I mean, that for me was such an eye-opening moment because I was like, my drinking with my drinking, I am not giving him that. Not only with my um, moderate to heavy drinking, but the next morning with my hangovers. I was not giving him the routine and structure that he really needed in order to thrive uh, these this young and crucial age. I think um, and so for me, that was it. Yeah. And it's so, you know, it's so true, right? Cause I mean, I think we all have those days where you kind of want to phone it in, right? You want to use the screen mm-hmm. time and um, hungover or not, right? It can be very challenging to totally. stay present and in the moment, especially when, you know, we had 
Francisco and I are both about 40 years old. So, you know, we've had a lot of selfish solo time all these years. And then you're sitting there like trying to play dinosaurs on all day on a Saturday. And, um, you know, Fran, you've been great about it. But I think what's interesting is it can be I never thought about it, by the way, Celeste, until you just said it. But you're so right. Having a baby is almost like going away to college in a way like this completely foreign experience where everyone uses alcohol as a way to kind of numb the newness and the kind of how intimidating it can be to make new mom friends right because what better than to like get together on a Saturday and it can be kind of boring and the kids are playing and you're like oh does does anyone want to drink you know you almost even if you Mm -hmm. don't care to drink much you just kind of use it as a way to be like social lubricant yeah you know to so Celeste I have a question um, yeah. You said that you were lacking or he was lacking routine in the mornings because of hangover. You weren't filling up. What what type of routine was he lacking that now he has with mm-hmm. the new mom that he got? I, I would say being fully present, um, not constantly. Um, you know, one of the things with alcohol and the hangovers, too, is you're very dysregulated and um, if I can't be regulated, yeah, if you, if I can't be as regulated as possible and set myself up to um, strive to be as regulated as possible, then he's going to see a mother who's constantly dysregulated. Um, So that's really where I feel like he probably felt it the most was I lost, I was more likely to lose my cool when I wasn't feeling my best self. And when I drank too much the night before, I did not ever feel my best self. I relate with that, you know? You know, it's interesting, too, because Fran, I know we we joke about this a lot, Celeste, because, you know, when we started dating and he's from Mexico City and, you know, just culturally in general, it may be stereotypical, but admittedly, you know, his family, they all, you know, they get the bottle of tequila, they can drink a lot, they have a very high drinking tolerance. And, you know, it was never a problem. But for me, I would look at Fran when we were dating and go, gosh, you drink way more than I do, you know, so it was always kind of an issue, because I'm like, I can't do it. You know, I can't drink like that. I've never been a big drinker. And uh, but lately, he's gone on this diet, and he like never drinks alcohol anymore. And I've noticed such a change in him, even though I didn't think he had a problem. And I I think that's something I wanted to ask you about kind of differentiating between, you know, a lot of women that are listening to this show right now, they're going to say, well, I drank, but I don't have a problem, you know, because I think there is a differentiation between a full on, you know, alcoholic to the point that it's, you know, kind of what defined by kind of inhibiting your day to day life, you know, your career and your work and all of that. And then someone like, you know, maybe how you were right, that it is a problem, even though you wouldn't necessarily be classified as an alcoholic. I mean, what are some things to look out for if you're maybe on the fence and you don't know whether you have this issue or not? Yeah, there's this whole new expression to describe somebody who's in between, you know, doesn't the person who only drinks a couple times a year versus the full-blown alcoholic, and it's considered a gray area drinker. I think as we're learning more about addiction, we are realizing it's very much a spectrum. It's not black and white. It's not either or. And most people are gray area drinkers. That's just the data we're, we're learning. Um, and for me, and what I've seen through my recovery coaching and from my own personal experience, it's very much a personal answer. It's when is alcohol no longer serving you? When is it causing problems in your life? And only you 
um, as an individual can make that decision. You cannot go online and look up how many drinks constitutes an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You can't because it doesn't work like that. So it really does come down to um, are you experiencing more costs than benefit? Are you having those little convincing moments uh, like I described where in your heart you you knew something was off and something wasn't right? And um, are, is it impacting your day-to-day life? Like for me, even just hangovers were convincing moments. Like that that was telling me that I wasn't putting my best foot forward. I wasn't being the present mother I wanted and needed to be for my children. And all of those weighed in on ultimately my decision to quit. Yeah, it makes sense. I want to ask you kind of about something for me that I feel like tends to be my addiction. And I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I look at the phone as a similar kind of toxin in my life, you know, and I'm trying and I noticed yesterday my child looked at me. He now wants to take our phones out of our hands. Right. And he said phone. You know, he's starting to say more and more words every day. And, you know, Fran and I will joke a lot like we feel like shit if he ever looks at both of us and we're both on our phones. And so I think, you know, we've been working really hard to kind of not be unless it's work related or we have to step out and take a phone call, you know, you have to kind of stay in that headspace, right? You have to make constant effort. But do you find similarities, you know, with things like that with with kind of cell phone addiction? Um, I know it's not the same as alcohol with hangovers, but really being detrimental to kind of the parenting relationship. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that there's so much overlap between phone addiction and other types of addiction. And um, from The science that we see, Mm -hmm. it's a stimulant. It has the same effect on our brain um, from a dopamine standpoint as drugs or alcohol, Uh, which is why, you know, we're hearing more and more that the uh, later we can give our kids a cell phone in life, the better their chances of not developing addictions later in life. I mean, there's so much research backing that, but it's also scary as a grown-up when it feels like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, because like when I try to take cell phone breaks, I lose, I I lose parts of my work. I lose connection to friendship. Everything is over technology now. So it's all about balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's about finding the balance. What, what are some tips that you may have that you can, you know, (laughs) give us your wisdom between, you know, the alcohol, obviously just really, I guess, tips and tangible things for what you use is, I guess, is it a replacement's probably a bad word, but just kind of some effort you made to stay more present. Yeah. I mean, and I, I would say my tip for, um, alcohol would be the same as my, as phone addiction and phone use in that when I'm around my children, what do I want them to take away? from what they see mom and dad doing. If I do not want them living a life where they have children running around in front of them and mom and dad are staring at phones all day, then I cannot do that myself. I, I, I have to, I can't do, you know, tell, don't show. I have to show uh, what kind of life that I'm hoping that I will inspire them to then lead. And it's the same with alcohol. You know, if I am constantly at the end of each day, pouring myself a drink in front of them, um, if I am setting that precedent that that is the expectation or that is the lifestyle to work towards when they're grown up. Because as you probably know, 
our kids at a to a certain point age they idolize us Mm -hmm. they look up to us and they are their neurotransmitters are developing like crazy at these ages we want to show them um a great way to be present and live our lives and and find healthy coping mechanisms and for me that looks like catching myself if i'm on my phone when my kids are around Uh, and it also looks like showing them what a life looks like without alcohol and and i i say that personally because some people can have a very healthy relationship with alcohol Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying never to drink in front of your children uh but for me my drinking did not look like one glass of wine a night. It looked like three or four. And that is not something I wanted my kids to take away um, as they're growing and developing. How is your personal, can I ask kind of, we can talk about relationships and friendships because that's something Fran and I focus a lot on, you know, kind of our own. It's it's hard, you know, to have a child and the kind of the compromises that you make in your relationship because I feel that a lot of, you know, maybe with you and your husband, like a lot of date nights, right? When, if you ever even get one, <laughs> you know, it revolves around that these kind of romantic gestures often do revolve around, let's go to dinner or let's go to a movie and let's get a bottle of wine. And again, like you said, for some people, it's not a problem at all. You know, I don't think alcohol has been a huge problem in our relationship but you know Fran and I recently went and did a pottery date because we thought it'd be so nice to a not be on our phones to actually do something kind of silly together and we don't do that nearly enough but do you have any nice ideas on ways to kind of connect with your significant other that don't really revolve around kind of alcohol culture you know one thing that I wish more people told me when I was a new mom, or even when I was pregnant with my first child, was that me and my partner were going to have to have a conversation about uh, the distribution of labor at home. (laughs) And I know that sounds so boring. It's certainly not date night worthy topic. It's not boring. We, Fran and I fight about it every day. I think that's pretty normal. (laughs) And, but who, who ever knew going in what a massive shift motherhood or parenthood would be on household responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, it changed everything. And I, I feel like the biggest rift me and my partner had in early motherhood was around now who's responsible for what uh, at, at home, because it's not, it shouldn't stay the exact same when, when you bring a baby home, because so much has changed in every other sense. And um, I think it is a really important conversation to have. The earlier, the better. And it's going to be multiple conversations over time because things change. You know, once the once you have a child in daycare or school, all of a sudden things are shifting. And it's it's such a critical topic to not only help our partners understand the invisible work that's going into everything we're doing, but to rebalance it. And yeah, support each other the best way possible. What what worked for y'all in particular? Anything? Yeah, uh, for us, you know, it was multiple conversations, really hard conversations, um, and communication around. Here's how I'm feeling. Like me saying, I am overwhelmed. I I'm in charge. Apparently, you know, I'm in charge of all things baby and all things feeding the baby, and I feel like you're just going back to business as usual and my husband you know he says to me i i want to help more with the baby but every time i do you push me away or tell me i'm doing it wrong or tell me you've got it so 
you know, there has to be some give and take. And I didn't realize I was communicating that way. And he didn't realize I was, I was losing it. <laughs> so uh, it was conversations like that that had to happen in order for us to move forward. Yeah, we're still a work in progress on that. You know, I mean, I'm lucky because Fran's very hands on with the baby. So I have a great partner in that way. I think it's the other, you know, it's always the other things, right? The things that don't revolve around the child, kind of that other, you know, whether it's kind of figuring out the school and washing the dishes and, you know, all the the really unglamorous side of kind of the household responsibilities that then they've kind of tripled <laughs> since we had the baby, it seems like. And that's why I'm like, how do people have even more children? I don't know. I can't even keep up with the, with yeah, the what one. What you want <laughs> is to fall into assumptions. And you, I, I'm pretty sure everything falls into assumptions when it comes to the newborn. Like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. I assume you're going to do this and you assume I'm going to do that. And it's an unspoken contract that it's very wrong because all the assumptions are wrong. And it's not sexy conversation. You know, she's right about that. And then I feel like we need to have like a family meeting and communication is important. And then we tend to kind of suck at it. And then it just blows up after a while over, you know, they say people get divorced over dishes. I never understood that Celeste until I had a baby with a man. And I was like, I get it now. Still don't understand. Yeah. I get it now. Um, Yeah. And then when you, when you, when that sort of emotion starts to build up, then resentment, you know, enters the picture and nothing good comes out of resentment. It takes a lot of work. I mean, I can't tell you how much marital counseling we've had over the topic of the freaking dishes. I mean, but but that's just life. And that's part of uh, being in a relationship with a baby. You know, one other one other topic I wanted to address um and you, you know, you mentioned this as something you kind of focus on is about friendships, you know, the more probably female friendships, right? Not your um, romantic relationship at home. But I have found motherhood and waves like uh, it's very lonely, isn't it? Even if you have already had yeah. friends with babies and you kind of realize, you know, and for me, you know, this is kind of alcohol aside, um, just kind of friendships, the dynamic of friendships really change. And I have found that, you know, you are it's so weird, isn't it? That it's such a universal experience that all of us as women can totally relate on. Yet we all seem to feel very lonely, probably because we are more isolated, you know, with your other friends that have babies, everyone's kind of in their own family life and no one has the bandwidth or the time and the dynamic changes quite drastically. Um, Do you have any kind of tips on that? I get so many women writing me about how I've tried to do a lot of things here, just so you know, trying to get using, you know, using my platform and my business to bring moms together to go on walks and kind of have this fittish lifestyle that doesn't revolve around drinking. I mean, in all fairness, sometimes we offer mimosas after a workout class because I guess I don't even know why we do that. I guess that's just a thing that adds like a different flair. But now I think about it, that's probably not the nicest thing to do if women are struggling. Um, But it would be so nice to know some ideas just in terms of connecting with female friends, with kids involved that maybe worked for you that are a nice alternative to this, you know, getting together for a glass of wine sort of thing yeah and I think I I love that you do that I think um, it's about being a little bit creative Uh, you know I've heard you guys talk about trying to find um, parents with kids who are right in around the same age range and Mm -hmm. I I think that's so critical because um, motherhood and parenthood is so fluid and so is our schedule so is our lifestyle you know, as soon as you move to the next stage of your child's lives where they're in kindergarten, 
you're going to be able to make genuine connections with the other parents Mm -hmm. in the kindergarten. You're going to make it when your child signs up for baseball or art class or whatnot. And I would recommend just leaning in some of those opportunities and, um, and and having the awkward conversation, like we should grab coffee sometime. I mean, I, it is kind of like friendship dating. It is dating. It is. Yeah. And then you go on a date and then they say something and you're like, wow, we don't parent the same way at all, you know? And then you realize, well, this isn't going to work out romantically, but you tried. I think it can just be very hard for women that tend to be more introverted. And, and you also are feeling super insecure after you have a baby, right? I mean, because you're like, I don't know what I'm doing and my body doesn't feel normal. And then you're trying to date a woman. (laughs) Yep. it's just it's, such it a foreign so experience lonely. yeah it is well, I think this no man's land time too I right is what I call it before the kids are in school friendship because in general yes. friendship in general yeah, I mean Fran you've had a you've had a different dynamic with of men of course so it's it's hard I think there's two aspects to this the kids aspect it's one that is very important that filters a lot of friends that are not in the same yeah, sure. wavelength right but once you stop drinking, you filter another group of friends. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see which ones will stay with you and will respect the fact that you're not drinking and which ones won't. And I think that's a really good way to find out who the valuable friends so in your life how did are. You, um, how did you find your friendship dynamic? Like, I guess what I'm asking is how, um, how, can, how did your friends that did stay friends or new friends support you? And how can we be supportive of other friends in our lives that choose not to drink? I mean, is it inappropriate to, when you go to dinner, have a drink? Or, or should you just make effort to plan different activities? I, I love that you asked that. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. <laughs> Uh, and because a lot of people think it's a touchy subject or they don't want to pry and whatnot. But um, I think if you are genuinely inclusive and um, say, like, if you have people over and you have cocktail and mocktail options, you will light up a sober person's life. I mean, there, it is as simple as that. Uh, I don't think anyone is expecting you not to drink or do what you want to do. Um just because they are present or around you. Uh, but just having that inclusivity to be considerate enough to be like, hey, and I also uh, found this great non-alcoholic beer um, if you're interested. And um, that that's just phenomenal. In fact, that is, I would give you an A plus for uh, being a hostess um, if, if I saw that. Uh, but a lot of people just don't know what they don't know and they don't know what, the appropriate thing to do is do we just pretend like uh, we don't even know anything about your non-drinking or do we ask the questions? And um, I think it's okay to be curious. I mm-hmm. think it's okay to, um, to, to say, or, do you mind if I order a drink? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to take offense to that, but for the most part, you know, what I've learned in my alcohol-free journey is um you have to live and let live. Um, other people are not going to stop drinking just because you don't drink. Right. And my goal in my own recovery and sobriety is to learn how to live sober in a world where there's a lot of alcohol. Yeah, well said. At least there's a lot of great new options out there. It's becoming so much more trendy to have alcohol-free 
beverages and the younger generations really so, like it. Sure. They're more I into think... the sober living and it's really nice that this kind of wellness trend <laughs> is, you know, really permeating a younger culture. So um, there are more options out there. And it's opening up for that question. So Celeste, I know you have a book coming out. Will you tell everyone a little bit about what else they can read in the book and then where everyone can find you? Yeah. Uh, so I wrote this book. Really, it's, it's meant to help mothers, but really anyone who feels stuck in the alcohol trap and to help people realize that sobriety isn't deprivation. It's not you know, you see this character energy on TV of the sober person who is miserable, and there's certainly not main character energy. Um, and I want people to know, like, sobriety doesn't feel like that. It feels genuinely like liberation, and that your life doesn't end when you quit drinking. It really just the next phase begins. Uh, and then my lastly, what I hope people get out of this book is that we can show mothers how to cope with our biggest stressors without alcohol, uh, which is, you know, we, we live in a world where alcohol is king. So what are some other options? What can we do to find a healthier coping mechanism and really thrive in motherhood the way I think we all go into motherhood intending? Uh, you can find me on social media um, at the Ultimate Mom Challenge. Uh, I'm generally on Instagram and Facebook. Wonderful. And Celeste's uh, new book, It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture, will be out soon. And you can get that wherever you get your books. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show and really enlightening. Thank you very much for the time. Celeste, pleasure meeting you. And thank you for all your wisdom. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you, Fran. It was great. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from some of our Fittish sponsors. And then Fran and I are going to tell you about our big life changes coming up next. Thank you so much. Oh, I want to hear about life changes. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. No, we're actually considering my mom. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this next week. No, we're going to do one more segment. Uh, we're talking about my grandma and, you know, just nothing, nothing too major. Nothing, nothing sad or serious. Just us sharing our life, our life drama. <laughs> oh, you guys are so cool. I, I love listening to you. Um, I love your dynamic. I love that you are willing to have these hard conversations. Because um, I, you don't hear, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it feels like bedroom talk, right? Like you don't hear how couples really talk uh, about the hard things. So for you guys to kind of break that stigma and, and have them out loud, I think it's really helpful. To, Thank you. To like me. Yeah, it can, it can lean pretty edgy sometimes. But, you know, I was on a like kind of a pop uh, a pop format radio show for about 14 years before I left to run my business and then do the podcast on the side for fun. And I think it's been really refreshing and nice to kind of not have to be quite as family friendly and be very candid and honest um, on a deeper yeah. level. And so, yeah, I mean, half the time we're trying to record a podcast when we started this in the pandemic and, you know, I want, we wanted to murder each other and there was no way to kind of <laughs> fake, fake that, you know, we had to talk about group. it. <laughs> I thought, Oh my God, people are going to be so annoyed, but I think people relate to it quite a bit because, I mean, we all, it, it, having a relationship and a baby is, it's hard, right? It's a journey. Yeah. It's so hard, but I love that you discuss it. I love that you put it out there. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I'll get you sent over. This is going to air next week. Um, and I'll send um, your manager over um, a little bit of collateral if, and we'll tag you on social when we post about it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I will, I, I'm looking forward to promoting it on my end too. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. All right. Bye. Thank you both. Appreciate Thank you. you. Bye. No better time than now to talk about therapy after that segment, right? BetterHelp is a sponsor of the Fittish Podcast. And they have been for quite a while because Brian and I are huge fans of this service. Therapy is so important. And if you enjoyed that conversation about sobriety and you want to kind of work on your own issues. Again, this is another great option. BetterHelp is such a nice resource for really any kind of therapy you need in your life. If you say, I'm not in a relationship, I don't need therapy. No, you may not need couples therapy, but maybe you need a little bit of help just with some life decisions. And if you're going through a hard time, you know, like I was talking about on last week's show, I've been struggling, you know, I've been struggling with just kind of feeling not so great sometimes. And I think therapy is so nice to have a professional to speak with. That's not just your partner, not just a girlfriend, someone that is a licensed professional that can help give you tangible solutions to things that you're dealing with in your life. I've utilized BetterHelp. Fran and I have used it together as a couple. Fran, Francisco's also use BetterHelp for himself. I have no idea what he talked to his therapist about because, you know, let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fittish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Fittish. So we step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have some life changes on the way. Are we going to talk about the same thing? I'm assuming we're talking about the same thing. Because I can only think of like one big change. Well, I don't know. Okay. We're about to figure out. Um, in one word, on the count of three, using one word that we're going to talk about. What Adopting the a baby. <laughs> <laughs> How was that following directions at all? One word on the count of three. If that doesn't sum up our relationship for y'all right now, one word on the count of three. <gasps> I thought you said three words in the count of one, so... Adopting a baby. Are you still struggling from that wreck last week? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell everyone. So. I came up to Francisco yesterday. We, uh, let me, let me tell it this way too. And then I'll have you tell everyone. I, um, we, I had this realization. I called Fran 
we'll tell you what it was in a second, but I'm coming up to the house yesterday and he's holding Remy. I'm bringing in groceries. We're standing out front. And I said, Fran, we're going to have a new roommate in the house. And he goes, is it a camel? Referring to my apparent camel toe from the onesie I had on as I'm trying to carry up groceries with my injured arm. It was riding up. And so that is what he said to me. This is where we're at. And no, it is not a camel. The camel's always living with us. Okay. The camel is happy. The camel is at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He called a couple times and see where he still was. Why don't you tell everyone? So she called me yesterday and said, um, what do you think of having a roommate? And, you know, we have had many conversations. Like, we had had the swinger conversation. We have had, like, like I didn't know that what... That was short-lived. Like, it was like, we need to kick back into just... Explo- no, oh, do we? Um, so it's like, what do you think about candy? moving in and tell everyone exactly do you even remember i remember what you said to me tell what everyone did I say? what you said to I me i'm shaking still from last week you said i don't know why we didn't already do this yeah because we have a room that is very separate it's like a mother-in-law so order. this is what's been going on like you know, we buy this house and obviously we've talked a lot over the weeks, you know, our expensive, our expenses has gone up. Our income is, you know, especially with us both kind of doing our own thing. Our income is not consistent. You know, I mean, I don't have a salary job like that anymore. I mean, I pay myself some in a way, I guess, you know, I'm on payroll with Fittish, but, um, you know, depending on what I do each month, um, with social media or not doing stuff or doing more, my, Income's really inconsistent. And I think also just parenthood in general has put such a different perspective on all of this for Fran and I. Like, I don't enjoy spending money like I used to. Like, I want to save it for family experiences and for Remy and for medical emergencies. And it just gives you such a sense of, like, financial maturity, I think, right, when you have a kid. And so we've just kind of noticed over months and months, we're like, damn, like everything's so fucking expensive. And, you know, we really want to work towards our kind of goal of moving to Europe together, you know, here in a few years at some point, um, regardless of kind of where our careers are at. And so, you know, Fran and I talk about it quite frequently. And my mom, you know, I've been taking care of my mom for years. And, you know, over the years, you know, I've had different kind of help from friends or, you know, just with, you know, places to live and, you know, but for mainly for the last, I would say almost since I was out of college, I've been in some way helping my mom financially. And that was, it's been really hard at times because, you know, I, there's many years I hardly made any money and definitely not enough money, right. To also help take care of a parent. And we've always made it work. And my mom's just an amazing trooper. And, Lately, she spends so much time at our house and she's, you know, three days a week helping us with Remy and we pay her a little bit for that. And um, I guess I can just be very transparent. I don't think she would mind. But, you know, I pay her rent. I um, I have her I got her that car that I put the deposit down for. But I have her pay her car and her insurance. But, um, you know, I pay her phone and um shits, you know, dental work, medical stuff. So y'all get it. It's a lot. And, um, I wouldn't say that it's a burden by any means. I love my mom. I would give her everything. I wish I had more. I wish I had enough money to buy her own mansion to live in. Right. Like we all probably would want to for our parents, but you know, that's not the case right now. And so, 
her lease was up a few months back and we were looking at places and realizing shit, right? Like everywhere, even places that aren't as nice as where she's living. And I'm sure a lot of you ever, this is no news to anyone. It's just fucking expensive to rent, to live anywhere anymore. And so I don't know why it didn't dawn on us. I think because I like her having her own space. I always thought she likes having her own space and our house isn't huge, but we do have a third bedroom that has its like own wing it closes off the bathroom the hallway like it you could shut it off we have had guests all of you know three times and most of the time it's candy so it's not like we have guests and i don't know why we all want a guest bedroom thinking we're gonna have a a place to stay and it's just another bedroom to clean and no one's ever in there so anyway i just said wait i was like sitting in the car yesterday i had that aha light bulb moment i'm like why doesn't my mom just move in with us? You know, Fran and I have been saying, if my mom had moved in with us and I wasn't spending rent and bills and, you know, she's really tight on money. Where like are we going to put our six wings? She doesn't, have, she doesn't have any. You mean the rowing machine that's in that bedroom that you have not used since you bought it? That's what I call a six wing, no? The is six that, wing, is, the rower, the, the <laughs> water rower that's sitting in there that you won't put in the garage because you said it can't get moisture in it. It's wood. Anyway, I know just a, so I said, obviously I said something to Fran first. I was like, why isn't she living with us? Because not forever, but like if she could live with us for six months, nine months, and I, you know, I, all I want is an income property. I'm like, then with all the money we're throwing away on her bills and rent and everything else, like if we could, if I could buy a duplex or buy something, I act like I'm going to save enough money to do that. But you know what I mean? If I could buy something for her next year, that then other people could live in too. And then she could live in for free. And then we actually have an income property. It would be amazing. So that's the goal. I mean, I'm telling a goal before we've even kind of set the foundation before uh, for it. But, um, well, this is an abstract of a goal. But then I call Fran and I go, why didn't, why doesn't Candy live with us for a bit? He's like, I don't know why she didn't already. And I'm great with it, provided that she wouldn't be unhappy. So then we were all together last night and we said it to her and I told her to go sleep on it and she called today with her I know, decision. I know, she sent me a contract. Oh yeah, <laughs> a contract. No, she sent me her the, lease the, the to try and get out of her lease. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of expensive, but it's still not as expensive as her paying rent for a whole other year, you know? Yeah. So we'll I don't out. know, y'all. I mean, I don't, we don't know. Candy is amazing. We have a great relationship with her. I do think boundaries are important. I do think her having her own space and being, you know, off-duty a lot of the time and kind of knowing there's an end here. I told her worst case scenario, three months, six months, whatever it is, go by and you're miserable and annoyed by us. Then, then we get you another apartment, you know, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I think that's what we're going to do. And she seems kind of excited about it. I think what I've noticed with my mom is that, I mean, I think I said something to her yesterday that might've hurt her feelings because we were talking about money and she just got a bunch of dental work done and you know, she doesn't have a whole lot. I know things are expensive. She doesn't have a whole lot of extra money. And so I kind of said to her, she's like, I need to get another job. And I'm like, but you just quit the floor. I said, what are you doing? You know, you didn't want to keep working full time. She's like, well, I need to make money for Christmas so I can buy Remy stuff. I'm like, Remy doesn't need shit. I don't need to pay you more money so you can keep buying Remy junk. But then you realize that's like her whole pleasure in life is buying Remy toys all the time. You know, she loves it. Even if he doesn't need it, it's not about him. It's about like her and him, his relationship. And so... I just think it would be really nice to kind of, A, we'd be saving money and she'd actually have a little bit more to like spend on her grandson if she wanted to. And um, I think it would kind of take the stress off. And she's already over so much anyway and for holidays. So she's already excited about it. She's like, oh my gosh, I could like 
buy stuff to decorate for the holidays. I'm like, yes, she would help me decorate. She'd, gosh, I got a new honeydewer around the house. Yeah, no, me that's the whole thing I thought about. Oh, that, that what? That, oh, she is not going to be your maid every day either. I'm not talking about my You're going to have two women yelling at you. Oh, Remy and I were going to be out all the time. But I said to her, I go, Mom, I, I'm going to say this, and it's before I invited her to move in. <laughs> I said to her, I go, Mom, you know, a lot of people these days, everyone wants to make more money. Everyone's struggling. But because of this whole hybrid, this pandemic, this, and I know she's older, but, you know, you find, you know, I had the conversation with our nanny, too, you know, like, you know, people want certain kinds of jobs that pay a certain amount of money, but then they are limited with their schedule. And I just flat out said to her, I go, mom, if you want more money, you either need to work for us full time, you need to go get a full-time job or you need to get a fucking sugar daddy. I said it to her like that. I I'm, mean, I'm or surprised. a boyfriend. I'm surprised when you put sugar daddy, you didn't add like OnlyFans in that fucking array. I don't care what Candy's doing if she wants an OnlyFans. I'll set it up and film her. I would set it up and film her. Would you? I would not set her up and film her. I would not do that. If Candy was raking in like 50 grand a month I'll on OnlyFans. <laughs> no, I'm going to go buy a camera right now. I'm pretty sure the producer with $50,000 a month, we can feed a producer into the mix. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, some of, I don't know what, I don't know. I've actually never turned into, tuned into OnlyFans, so I don't know what's happening on there. Um, but so I don't know. I just think. I guess things can be great until they're not great, right? And so I guess we can try it. I don't think it's going to be terrible. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, that's the plan. I'm actually, I feel excited about it. I mean, let's look at our lives every night. Brandon and I are in, so in love with parenting, and it's such a good place for the most part that we put Remy down, you put Remy down. We lay, we lay in bed. We have a great bedroom set up. You know, we work, we are on our phones, we're reading books, watching TV. You know, we've already eaten dinner at like five o'clock. So we really just hang out. And then on the other opposite end of the house, um, my mom would do the same thing. She said, Jenna, all I do when I come back to my apartment is sleep. And she's like, except I, I need the living room on Sundays for football. Like she's already watching every preseason game, but I kind of love it because you don't watch football with me. So Candy and I get to watch football cool. and we have a really big TV in that living room that we never use. So we'll watch football. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is that if it doesn't work out, it's like when you date your cousin, you can still be cousins, you know, <laughs> she will still be your mom. See, this is the moment that I go, he definitely has a brain injury from the car accident last week. Right, y'all? That comment right there, he has a brain injury. Mm. So we're going to end the show here and we're going to call the doctor. It's like when you date your cousin, you can, when did yeah. this happen for you? You can still be cousins. <laughs> you know, it's like if you break up with your mom and this roommate situation, she will still be your mom. I think Candy and I have been through enough over the years that uh, we'll be okay, you know. And if we're not okay, it'll be okay. If she's over it. But I'm like, what do you expect, Mom, if you're going to move to Europe with us in a few years? Granted, I would like her to have, you know, I wish we kind of had one of those houses that had, like, the other house in the back. 
like most of us wish we had, like, right? Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. don't we all wish we had like another house like in the back? Like a pool house the size of be, our house? Yeah, no, that could be like an income property attachment or that you could have your relative live in. But you know what? My mom has just been just the best part of my life, my whole life, you know? And I mean, we've had our ups and downs as I think most mother daughters do. Um, but she's just given everything to me and I would give her everything as I know you would for your mom and your parents if we were in the same scenario. And I just have reframed things now as I'm so happy. Well, they're moving in also. Aren't we? (laughs) I ask her, I go, yeah, you might have to like, we'll get you a hotel room if we have guests. And she's like, no, I'll sleep on the couch. I was like, oh, okay. Well, we're going to have a house full around the holidays. But as an only child who spent so much time being so lonely for so many years when my parents got divorced and holidays alone, and especially in college, you know, I was alone so much and I craved family holidays. And it was always my dream to kind of have my own little family where I have, you know, not a huge family necessarily, but my own little family. And luckily I love my in-laws. They're amazing. But, you know, to have my mom be so present in Remy's life. I mean, how lucky I am and how lucky she is. She feels that way too, that she's able to be such a big part of his life and really take advantage because we never really know as we get older, right? How much time we have left with family. So I feel so good that this chapter of my life, I'm getting so much quality. I saw my life passed across my face last week. Yeah. You never, you never know. I don't know. I just think having kids makes you really enjoy the kind of small moments of life like this. So we'll see. We'll let y'all know. We'll have Candy on the show. We'll, we'll have our new roommate join the show here because this is about to happen in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> we'll keep y'all posted with the big move in. But yeah. let me know if you have any tips that have worked for you when um, when mom, when grandma has moved in. So we'll see how it goes. But we'll catch y'all next week. Sounds good. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.